signs to people, if I had the opportunity to say, here's your sign, I think it might be this sign. It's all about me. I think there's a lot of people that I would like to hand this sign to because so often people have a tendency to live life as if this whole life and this whole world were about them. And I would just love to say, here's your sign. For instance, last week in Malvern, I, I was checking out, and um, you'll, you'll be familiar with the experience perhaps. So I'm checking out. Um, there's only two registers open for someone to check you out, and there's about 4,300 self-checkout places. And I have a buggy full, a cart full I mean, overflowing with abundance. I mean, it is so full. There's no way I'm going to self-check out. No way. So I go get in line, one of the two, and I wait. Turn comes up. This buggy full, this buggy full. And here's how the process works. Pick up an item. They scan it. And it goes, beep. And they put it in a sack. About that fast. Pick up another ride, and I've got the, the conveyor belt is full, loaded, and I go like to the second and third story. Pick up an item, scan it, beep, and it goes in the sack. Getting to look at my watch. Wow. Pick up an item, scan it, beep. I go, Zach, really? <laughs> is this how this is going to go? Because <laughs> this is going to take a while. Pick up an item, set it on the scales, and punch in a few numbers. Beep. And into the bag. My eyebrows are about to go up now. Pick up an item, hmm. flips it over, where'd you get this? What aisle? I'm going to have to go check that out. And my mouth drops open. Scan it, beep, goes in the bag. Picks up the next item. Hmm. No barcode. Flipping it, turning it, looking at it. Hmm. Hmm. No barcode. And then at that point, I say, ah, I'm so sorry. I say, I'm, I'm slowing us down here. I'm so sorry. Just set that down to the side. I'll, I'll, I'll get that next time I'm here. And this is what she says. She says, well, I don't have anything better to do. I'm here till 9 p.m. <laughs> it's like 3. I was like, ah, yes, but I'm thinking... I don't want to be here till 9 p.m. This, but, but at the rate we're going, that's what's going to happen. And I want to say, here's your sign. It's all about me. I don't want to be here till 9. You may have till 9. I don't want to be here till 9. I, I seem to run into experiences sometimes where my mouth gets me in trouble. I, I've, I've got a visual aid here for you. This was our church van in Louisiana, the first church uh, I started in Louisiana. And because we didn't have a sign, we didn't, we were mobile, portable, met in 
all different kinds of places that we rented space just on Sunday. So this was kind of our mobile advertising, our mobile sign during the week. I drove this all over Shreveport and Bossier, um, this sign. So one particular day, I was driving this beautiful green van with uh, all these giant, I mean, you saw it coming, you knew, and you saw the big bobbleheads all over it, and you knew. I was driving at this giant Walmart, and the engineers had worked really hard in laying out the parking lot, you know, and the lanes and the traffic to get cars in, to get cars out. And I was in the giant green van, the church van, and I was following those lines and that system they had set up to get out. And I look over here to the side, and there's someone cutting across all the lanes of the parking lanes to get out. Well, I'm in the lines, and I'm just enough ahead of them that at one point on my way out, they have to slam on their brakes so that they don't hit me because I'm not giving them the right of way. They're cutting through, and I'm in the lines. Well, this particular activity did not make them very happy. They were really mad, and they're laying on the horn, and they're hollering at me, and they're giving me, hey, you're number one, you're number one, and I'm like, yes, I am, and they're honking, and mad, and they're waving, and they're gesturing, and so, you know, I, I mean, I'm in the line. You know, I had the right of way. I rolled down the window, I hit the button, it comes down. And I'm leaning now out of my window of the green van. I'm leaning out. I'm driving. I'm leaning out. And I'm yelling at them behind me. I'm like, I was in the lines. I was in the lines. I wanted to stop and to get out and to walk around to their car and say, here's your sign. Here you go. Here's your sign. I don't know if it's that I need... Um, uh, to learn to control my habit of getting angry. I'm not sure that's it. I really think that everyone else needs to control their habit of getting on my last nerve. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need them to do. I wanted to get out of the van and just say, hey, here's your sign. Let me give you another example. I'm in Africa. I'm flying back to the United States, and I'm going to New York City. I'm going to fly into JFK. So that's what I do. 17-hour flight from Africa to JFK. I'm ready to get off the plane. So happens they've lost a lot of luggage on this flight. And so now, I, in New York City, I have to stand in line at the I've lost your luggage line, and I have to do that. And so I happen to be in front of the line now. And in New York City, I don't think I had ever been there. This was my first time. But this guy walks in. He's about my height, but he's a lot bigger than me. Actually, he has no neck. No recognizable neck. He's, he's a giant. And he walks in, and, and it, it really, I'm, the first thought is, he's in the mafia. <laughs> he's got to be in the mafia. He walks in, past the line, and he steps right in front of me. I lean forward, I'm like, what's up, bro? 
I step out of line. I take a giant step forward, and I step in front of him. And I want to say, here's your sign. I look back at the guys I'm traveling with, and they, they have a sign for me. Here's what they have up. It's been nice knowing you. <laughs> been nice knowing you, Harley. Been nice knowing you. I seem to get mad, and things come out of my mouth. And I mean what I say. I guess the problem is I don't always mean to say it out loud. It can be a problem. Let's go back to that same church van that rolling advertising sign that we had. This time I'm in downtown Shreveport and I'm at, uh, I'm downtown, I'm at the square that goes around the courthouse. They still have one of these, downtown Shreveport, big city. It's really cool. But I'm at a stoplight. I'm the second car. There's a, a car in front of me. It's a brand new car, brand new Mercedes, beautiful car. And I'm in this beautiful green van. But it so happens that I'm on the phone and someone is just wearing me out on the phone. They are complaining and criticizing one of my pastors on staff. And listen, I mean, these guys had sacrificed and were sacrificing a lot to be a part of this ministry. And I was like, I'm not putting up with this. You're not going to run them down to me. So I'm, they're giving it to me about this pastor, and I'm giving it right back to him. And it makes me want to go through the phone and hand him a sign. Here's your sign. Because that's the way they were acting. Like, it's all about me. What I didn't realize is, as I was getting so passionate on this phone call, in my frustration and somewhat in my anger, I was, I was letting off the, the brake and then putting the brake back on, just easing off and then easing it back on as I was talking to him, and I was just easing off, easing on. I didn't realize that I had scooched the van up all the way to where my bumper was touching the bumper of this brand new Mercedes. And so every time now that I was easing off of the brake, I was surging the Mercedes forward. <laughs> And I would, they weren't very happy. I didn't realize this until, until they put the Mercedes in park and they got out of the Mercedes and came to the window of my van and they gave me my sign. But here's what they said. I'm an idiot. And I had to admit, I had to roll the window. Down. I am so sorry. I am an idiot. I am so sorry. That is my fault completely. But I wanted to give this sign to the person I was talking to on the phone. I wanted to tell them, you know, you're living as if it is all about you. It's all about you. Because that's how they were acting. Well, I tend to run into problems like that frequently because of things I say. One day in Missouri, I was driving home from work. I was a youth minister. I worked in town. I lived just a couple of miles out of town, kind of in the country a little bit. I was on my way home, out of town, on my way into the country. And I was in this section of the road where there was a no-passing zone because it was dangerous. You couldn't see what was coming towards you. No passing 
And what happened to me? Sure enough, a little red car behind me sped up and got in the no passing zone and they passed me. And there were then some cars coming. And so they sped up as fast as they could and zipped in front of me and they went going. I was like, oh, wait a minute now. This is not good. And I saw as they passed me, it was a teenager. I was like, oh, oh, no, no. And so they passed me. They got, and as they got to the corner, because it was a no passing zone, you couldn't see, I kind of lost sight of them. And I said, okay, well, I, maybe I just need to let this slide. But then as I rounded the corner, I saw they had pulled into a convenience store just past the corner. And so I was like, there they are. And I ripped my car into the convenience store and I went over and I pulled up right to the car just as this teenage girl was getting out and going into the store. And I was like, do you realize what you just did? That was a no passing zone. You don't pass in a no passing zone. Not only is that dangerous for you, not only is that deadly potentially for you, but also for me. And also for those cars coming the other direction, because it is dangerous. That's why it's not a passing zone. It's a no passing zone. I was coming from town, going home, out of town, and that's what you did. You passed in a no post passing zone. And she got a little confused look on her face. She was like, sir, I, I'm, I'm on my way to work going into town. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. And so she had a sign for me. Here's your sign. Yep, pretty much. You're right. I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. That's true. Well, me and my mouth, the words I say. I guess the moral of the story is basically this. You should be the best version of you. Unless you're a jerk, don't be a better jerk. That's not what you need to be. Because I have been there, and I've done that, and I've been there again and again and again repeatedly because apparently I don't learn. You see, how you make others feel about themselves says a whole lot about you. Here's my confession this week. It has nothing to do what, with what others are doing around me. It has everything to do with me. And it may not be what you think. So here it is. My confession. And this is the series, Confessions of a Loser. And I am the loser. So here's what I'm confessing. When I surge with anger, I get reckless with my words. And it's true. When I surge with anger, I get reckless with my words and with what I say. Now, maybe that's not your problem. Maybe you are not facing words with anger. Maybe for you it may be something else. Maybe it's just sloppy words. Maybe you just get sloppy with words. For instance, this whole thing called gossip. If you say, did you hear? or listen to what I heard, or you won't believe what I saw. Or perhaps you say, did you know? And so just in case there's confusion about what gossip is, let me give you three qualifiers. This, can, this is gossip if it meets any one of these three tests. Here's the first. Speaking to someone about an issue 
of which they are neither a part of the problem or a part of the solution, then that is gossip. Here's the second thing. Saying things about someone behind their back that you would never say to their face. That's gossip. Here's a third qualifier. If you're in a problem, then it's discussing details of that problem with a person without first going to the person with whom you have the problem. And that's gossip. And it's not only that gossip is all over your workplace, because it is probably. And not only is it that gossip is all over your family, because in many, many families it is. But it's this. Most churches are full of gossip as well. And those are sloppy words. Here are some other sloppy words, though. They fall under the the label of criticism. If you constantly criticize or if someone is constantly being critical, those are sloppy words. And in fact, if you find people are kind of running away from you when you walk into a room, if suddenly they're beginning to exit and they're beginning to leave and get out of there, then you might want to evaluate the words you're using. And are you using sloppy words that are critical, full of criticism? Here's another sloppy word, and it falls under the category of complaining. Complaining when someone, when they're uncomfortable, or if they don't like this, or they don't like that, or they're tired all the time, or they say, I would rather this. They always have another preference, anything other than what's happening right now. Or they say, I wish you would start doing this. Or they're complaining because you won't stop doing something else. And again, if people tend to run out of the room when you walk in, then maybe you want to analyze the words you're using and do they fall under the category of sloppy words of complaining. Now, good for us, I guess, God is not silent about the words we use. We're going to be looking at um, some words written in the New Covenant, the New Testament. Uh, The New Testament starts with the book of Matthew. It ends with the book of Revelation. And a lot of times we think to ourselves, that's the order that those books were written, but it's not. That's just the order they're arranged. It's very likely, scholars believe, that the letter we're going to be reading from this morning as we begin, scholars believe this was the first New Covenant, New Testament document that was written, the very first, before any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the very first. It was written by the brother of Jesus, and he became the leader of the church of Jerusalem. So this was a big deal at the time, and he wrote this letter. It's called, uh, we call it James, named after him. He wrote it, and it's a letter written to all the people who are believers who have been scattered throughout the world, and this is perhaps the very first document written in the New Testament. It's very short, a short letter And he has dedicated a significant portion of this short letter, 10 verses, to this topic of the words that we use. And let's read those very quickly. James chapter 3, starting with verse 2. James says, indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. In other words, he's saying... We are not perfect because we cannot control our tongues, which means we can't control anything in our lives, especially our tongues. That's what he's saying. Verse 3. 
We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. He goes on. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, he says, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue, he says is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it, the tongue, it is set on fire by hell itself. He said people can make all kinds of animals, tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one, Absolutely, he says, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And then he gets philosophical here. He says, sometimes it praises the Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so he says, blessing and cursing? Come pouring out of the same mouth, he says, surely, in frustration, surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. And then he gets more philosophical. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Can it be both? He says, no. Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? he says, ridiculous. And he says, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Now that is powerful, those 10 verses. But let me read you something that Jesus says himself, and he says it in 19 simple words, whereas we just read 10 giant verses of what James had to say. Jesus says it even more sharply and more powerfully in 19 words. Matthew chapter 12, here's what Jesus says. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. And suddenly over Harley comes a wave, a wave a wave of bad feelings. Thinking about Harley in that great big green van and Harley over here and Harley over there. Of all the idle words and sloppy words that I've said. And in that moment, it's like, whoa, when I read those words of Jesus, whoa, it's like bazinga. It's like pew, pew, pew. He nails me, and he nails many of us. I really don't think we need to list out any more of the idle words or types of idle words because we pretty much have those down. There's many, many more kinds of sloppy words, but we have all of those down. We're pretty good at that. So of all the things that make up idle words or sloppy words, reckless words that we should not use. Let me give us a very fast, quick review of some words that we should use. We should use words 
that speak Jesus. Paul, when he wrote the letter to the first Corinthians, to the Corinthians, here's what he says in that first letter, chapter 2, verse 1. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive words to tell you God's secret plan. He said, I didn't try to impress you with my words. Instead, he says, verse 2, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And my friends, we should use words that speak Jesus. We should use words that speak of his grace, that speak of his mercy. We should use words that speak of him changing our lives and making a difference. We should speak Jesus. Here's what else we should speak. We should speak comfort. Paul, again, writing another letter to the church at Corinth. We call this 2 Corinthians. Here's what he says. He says, Jesus, he, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When we are troubled, we will be able to give the same comfort that God has given us. We should speak words to others that bring comfort to others, not harm. Comfort. Here's something else we should speak. We should speak worship. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but the writer of the book of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 13. He says, therefore, through him, that's Jesus, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. And then he describes what that is. That is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. And words that we use, words that come out of our mouths should be words of worship and words of praising God. Let me give you another one. We should have words that speak encouragement, truth, and help. Here's what Paul says as he wrote a letter to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians. Here's what he says. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. We should speak words of encouragement. These are just a few examples of the types of words that should come out of, our, out of our mouths. And I'm just giving you just a quick, uh, a non-exhaustive review, just a short review, because I don't want you to develop a list where you write down, these are the words I should speak, and these are the words I should not speak. And then check off the list. Yes, I did say that. I was supposed to. And I said that. I was supposed to. And I did not say that. Great, because I was not supposed to say that. I, I don't want you to develop a list, because that's not the way it works. And even James, as I read that, those 10 verses in James, James even said, that's not the way it works, because what is inside comes out. That's the way it works. It doesn't work from a list. Now, Jesus said the same thing. I read to you a verse where Jesus said, you've got to watch out. You're going to hold, be held accountable for every idle word you speak. Just before he said that, 
listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. And then he speaks to this very specific group that he's talking to, and he calls them out. He says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you, he says, speak what is good and right? In other words, he's saying, you can't. You don't even have a hope to do that because, he says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. He goes on, a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. And then he goes the other direction, an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. So here's the issue. The issue is not that we have been failing to follow a list of these are things to say and these are things to not say. That's not the problem. Jesus and his brother James, they both said the problem is we have been following our hearts. Because what is in there, that's what's going to come out when we open our mouths. And you know what? The honest truth is, most of us, we really don't worry about it too much. We really don't. We don't worry about those words that we have said because we think to ourselves, well, they're just words. They're here, and then they're gone. We say them, and then they're gone. Just words, just passing. Do you know what scientists are theorizing right now? They theorize that sound waves are never really completely lost. They just gradually fade beyond detection. And they say that if we had instruments with sufficient sensitivity, that every word that has ever been spoken in all of history presumably could be retrieved and heard, that you could hear those words of George Washington and our founding fathers, that you could hear those words of John the Baptist and the disciples and Jesus, that those words are still sound waves. You just can't detect them anymore. Now, if that's true, I don't know if it is, but listen to this. We know this. Everything Everything that I have ever said, that you have ever said, is still out there. It is not quick, and it is not temporary, because we are certain that in God's infallible records, every single word of every single man that has ever lived is perfectly preserved as evidence in the hands of God. So we need some solutions. I need some solutions. I'm going to offer you two solutions today and for me. We need a quick solution that is instant, that is like emergency help. Break the glass type, in an emergency, break glass. We need one of those types of help. And then we also need a long-term solution as well. So let me give you the, in case of emergency break glass help, here it is. Let's use this. 
If we are in an emergency and we need help with our words, here it is. In emergency break glass, Psalm 141.3. It says this, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. And it may happen after you have already gone too far with your words, but you stop and say, God, take control of my lips, guard guard my lips, take control of my words, guard my lips, and you call out to God for help. Or maybe you're able to call out before you say those sloppy words. Take control of my words and guard my lips. That's in an emergency. That is not our long-term help. Let me give that to you. It's not enough to have just an emergency help. We need a long-term answer. Because if it's a heart matter, that means it's an inside job. And we need God to change us from the inside out. We need His Spirit at work in our lives, changing us from the inside out. And the more He changes my heart from the inside out, the more I use words that speak Jesus, the more I use words that speak worship, the more I use words that are comfort and encouragement and help to other people. When Jesus controls more and more and more of my heart, then he controls more and more and more of my words. I need his help. It's an inside job. So here's what we're asking you to do this week. The first thing, in an emergency, break glass. Here it is. Memorize this verse. Psalm 141.3. Take control of what I say. Oh, Lord. And guard my lips. Will you memorize that? And here's the second thing. Because this is an inside job. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Every week that you're in town and not on vacation in June. Every Sunday. Will you attend every week in June? And we are going to teach you through that series in June. How to allow God to change you more and more and more. And not only are we going to teach you how, but we're going to give you the first week we're sending you home with a tool to help you do that. And we're going to ask you to do that, to use that tool for 30 days. And listen, if at the end of 30 days, you using that tool consistently... If at the end of 30 days, if you have no noticeable growth in your life, I will apologize to you in person. And also this, I will consider leaving the ministry. Because my whole ministry, that's 31 years of ministry. My whole ministry has been based upon this principle of life change. And I'm asking you, through the month of June, will you come and will you test it every week in June? And will you see if for you and your life, is this true? I hope you will. Let's pray. God... Your words have said that a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. 
And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. And God, I declare to you, I want a new heart. I want you to take control of what I say. I want you to guard my lips. God, so many of us, our lives feel broken down. And we have looked to many places to make it whole again. But God, only you. King Jesus, only you can take our broken lives and put them back together again. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard, God, and give us the courage to do it. And Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.